All right, so we're going to continue with our topic, the wilderness, and this is part four. So I'm just going to give a brief, just a brief recap. You know, as I touched on before, after one is saved, translated out from the world or Egypt, as the children of Israel were, there's a process or processes one has to go through where we are tutored and schooled. That's where the, will, for the, will, the reason for the wilderness. We will become heirs with Christ when we are born again, taken out of the world or Egypt, but still have Egypt in us, and we are still mentally slaves to the world. Alright? So that explains why you don't react anymore. There was a time you would react, because mentally you're still a slave to your flesh. Alright? So that is, that's the, the, the little, how we relate to it there. And I define the wilderness as a solitary place barren, dry, or lonely, a place of separation. That was the part I loved about it. It's a place of separation. It could also be a season. Okay? Not only in the wilderness, it doesn't have to be a place only. It could be a season. But one thing is consistent with all of it. It's, a, it's become solitary, and it's where you are separated. And I said there are two types of wilderness experiences. There's a God-imposed and a self-imposed. And we, right now we're still talking about a God-imposed wilderness experience. Now, why the wilderness? The wilderness, we go through the wilderness to learn, hear, and obey the voice of God. When you come out from the world, where the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they didn't know the voice of God. They didn't know the word of God. They didn't know how to obey God. They didn't know how to hear God. But when you go through the wilderness, these are the things you will learn. And the quicker you learn it, the better off you are. The, there is an awakening in your spirit that occurs. A desire to be in His presence. There is an awakening in your spirit that occurs. And a desire to be in His presence. We also learn that our strength and confidence comes from and through the Lord. There is a dependency. There is, we learn that there is a dependency. Why? Because the confidence and strength that we need to do anything comes from the Lord. Because the Bible says when we are weak, we are strong. Because our weakness shows us that of our limitations in doing anything of value, of eternal value for God. The strength that's needed to accomplish it comes from God. As you saw, when Moses took, was leading the children of Israel, he didn't have the aptitude, the ability, the knowledge to part the Red Sea, to get water out of a rock, to bring manna, quail. It's all God. It's all God. So the, 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 the ability to do anything of eternal value, you know that your dependency has to be on the Lord. Has to. Unclean spirits have no authority over us. You learn that in the wilderness. Unclean spirits have no authority over us. They will try to tempt and distract. But if we walk in the spirit, if we walk in obedience... <clears throat> The unclean spirits will always be defeated. You learn that in the wilderness. And, I, I will, I, and you guys know examples, but I'll, I'll touch on one. 
Again, what do we learn in the wilderness? In the wilderness, we learn to tame the rebellious spirit. The rebellious spirit is tamed. We learn to put the flesh to death. And we can turn quickly to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple of verses. Three, are we going to start in verse 5? Colossians 3, 5. So the rebellious spirit is tamed. And after that, you have, we put on the new man. So when the rebellious spirit is tamed, that is referring to the old man being put to death. And we put on the new man. When the children of Israel were taken out of Egypt, as they're going through, the Lord had to put to death the old man. So that when they entered in, when we enter in, we are constantly now putting on the new man. So Colossians chapter 3, are you there? Verse 5. Colossians 3, 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. What he's saying here is that when we were in the world... We used to be like the sons of disobedience. And this, this is, these are characteristic, uh, or characteristic factors that you see, uh, you see, which identifies when you are uh, in the world. And in verse 5 he says, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. And a lot of these were similar to the characteristics of the children of Israel when they were taken out of Egypt. That's why God was Angry with them because of their, their, their evil desires and their, and their lusts of the flesh. And verse, and verse 9. Do not lie one to another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Lying shouldn't be something that easily flows off our tongue and we have no conscience about it. Do not lie one to another. And have put on the new man, verse 10. Who is renewed in what? In knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That verse 10, if you read it carefully, it's, uh, it's very powerful. It says the new man is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Hear that? The, re- the new man is renewed in knowledge, you have to know something so you can put on the new man. So you can change the way you think. The new man has to do with the way you think. So you have to have knowledge to change the way you think. <clears throat> and they say that new man is renewing knowledge according to an image. An image. So there's knowledge of an image that we have to have so we can put on this new Man or have this new image. Take on the same likeness. You got that. Verse 11. Where there is neither Greek 
no Jew, circumcised, no uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all in all. There is no distinction. So there's no Jew or Greek. There's no black or white. There's no Indian. There's no Asian. All that is irrelevant. There's no rich. There's no poor. There's no slave. There's no free. All that is irrelevant when you are in Christ. Irrelevant. And I know you all understand also. If you see these things, all these people who claim to be followers of God and lovers of Christ. But when you see racism and hatred coming out, spewing out of their mouth, you know that they have a different spirit. That's not the spirit of our Father. You know that. Okay. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect chosen of God. Oh my God. That's something just came. When I read, when we were reading in the Old Testament... When God said, if you obey me, you will be a preferred, chosen people. Highly favored. Over all others. That's why he said, oh my God, the elect of God. Elect is chosen, special of God. Holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. We have to put these things on. God is not going to put it on for us. We have to put it on. It's a choice. Verse 13. Bearing with one another. Putting up with one another. Putting up with one another. Don't be quick to dismiss others. That's not easy. Oh my Lord, I know. I know. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You must forgive. You must forgive. But above, above all these things, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also, you were called in one body and to be thankful. That's it. He said here, verse 14, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Love is what keeps the body together. It's the bond of perfection. Love. And you all understand what that love is. The love has nothing to do with your feelings. It has nothing to do with your emotions. They talk about putting up with one another. Don't lie one to another. If you have something against another, something, forgive. That's love. Love is obedience to the word of God. That is love. Not an emotion. Mm-hmm. If I tell Rachel I love you, when Rachel says, mm-hmm, the proof is in the pudding. She says, you can tell me how much you love me. You have to show me how much you love me. Mm-hmm. So if there's an there's a act of obedience to God. You can tell God I love you. Lord, I give myself away. But when your neighbor irritates you, or your wife and you start, you know, you're cussing them out. Uh, Till, there's a problem. Alright? So put on the new man. And let's go to Romans 12 too. You know, you guys probably can quote that scripture. But let's just read it again. Romans 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world... 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, what is that good, and acceptable and perfect will of God. Put on the new man. Don't be conformed to the world with the old way of thinking. Put on the new man. And how do you do that? By transforming the way you think. And the way you get this image, the image that has the knowledge of who you are as a new man. Okay? There's an image that we talked in the previous scriptures in Colossians. There is an image. After knowledge, you put that image on. And if the image transform you into this new image or this new man, the image of God. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. So you have to be transformed to prove something. So there's going to be evidence of something. So when we were talking earlier before the service start about our lives. Oh my goodness. There is something that needs to be seen in and through our lives. You may prove. There's something you have, to re- you have to reveal. You have to prove something. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? It will be clearer as we go. You will see. You, it will be clearer. Alright. So that's over with the recap for now. Now there are milestones and, or shifts that will take place during our lifetime to shape our character and thinking to that of our Father. We have been transformed into the image of Christ. So when you come in through the wilderness, the wilderness experience is for you to put on this new image in the knowledge of Christ. So when you come through it, at the other end, you'll be looking at like that image. Alright? So it says here, the shifts we have to go through, God will step into our lives and cause a shift in our lives. We don't know when it's going to happen, but expect it to happen. We have had all different experiences already. We're going about our lives, and then God steps, something happens, and there's a shift we have to make. We have to decide there's a shift that things that happen in our lives that just change the whole trajectory of our whole being from the core of our souls. We have we see God in a different way. After we go coming through that whatever it is that's causing that shift in our lives. You all can relate to this. Okay. I hope so. The Lord will take us from faith to faith, glory to glory. And many times it's unexpected. Sometimes it is. If you really press into God, sometimes the Holy Spirit will show you, will show you things. But sometimes it takes us unexpectedly. And the thing is, how do we deal with it? Do we deal with it by the Spirit or do we deal with it in our flesh? And this, and this powerful song, I don't remember the song we were... No, before the service started, there was a song I was playing. And I was talking about getting away from all the noise. So that you can hear. You can hear from God what you need to be doing. And this is, has to do with the self-imposed wilderness experience, which I'll touch on probably talk about next week. Getting away from all the noise. When something impacts your life, 
the first thing you need to do is step back and try and quiet your mind. That is not easy to do. It comes with discipline and knowing and coming by and having really that intimacy with God. You're able to, when it happens, the first thing you do is say, okay, Lord, I got to stop. I know all this is going on. Let me not be reactive. Let me stop. Try and clear my mind so you can speak to me. That is not easy. That is not easy. If you've all, and it all depends on what happened, especially if it's something that affects you personally. It's very, your mind just races. You want, to be, you want to be reactive. You want to do, especially men. Something happens, we want to go fix it right away. But the thing with God, God is never ever in a rush to do anything. And Jesus was a great example. There, Jesus was there was to show us when they came with him, to him with the woman who was caught in the act. He wasn't reactive. He just, he just was calm, waited. Writing. Stooped down and writing. It's like, what's going on? He's not reacting to us. He's listening for what the Father is trying to tell him to do. How to deal with the circumstance. He's listening. When they came to him with Lazarus. Oh, you got to come now. Lazarus is sick unto death. You got to come now. Okay. I'm going to wait three more days. He's listening for what the Father wants him to do. He said, this sickness is not unto death. For, but for the glory of God. Let's go wake up Lazarus. He's sleeping. He's listening for the Father. Listening for instructions. Listening. Alright. <clears throat> so that is where we have, to, we have to get. I want to show you something here. In Luke chapter 1 verse 80. Okay. So it says here, John, um, Luke chapter 1, verse 80. 80? 80. He's talking about John the Baptist. I was reading this and it says, so the, so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. If you remember... John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in the mother's womb. That's what the, the, that's what was the angel said about him. In this in the womb, John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit. Elizabeth became filled with the Spirit when she spoke by the word of knowledge about Mary's condition. She didn't know Mary's condition until she heard it. The child leapt in her womb, in Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth became filled with the Spirit and started speaking by the word of knowledge. Because she didn't know Mary was pregnant. She didn't know it. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost in from the mother's womb. Watch what it says here. The child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So he was, even though he, let me not get ahead of myself. He was filled with the Spirit, but he was only revealed to Israel at a certain time. He was in the wilderness until the time for him to be revealed to Israel of who he was. Okay, just keep that in the back of your mind. 
Before Moses was assigned to deliver the children of Israel, he had his own wilderness experience. God had to prepare Moses for his assignment. He had a set time and season for Moses to fulfill his destiny. Moses claimed that he was inadequate and made excuses. He did not tell God anything that the Lord didn't already know. When God calls us, God already knows that we are inadequate. But what he is looking for, are we going to trust him to lead us to do what he requires us to do? It is not us. It is not, nothing to do with us. It's about our willingness to be used. You say, Lord, I give you all of me. I surrender all to you. That is, that is what it's about. Withholding nothing. Knowing that we are inadequate. Whatever we have, Lord, we give it to you. Because you, you can take this and multiply it and do whatever it is you need to do with it. Moses, God knew that. God knew Moses' excuses. And Moses was an educated man. There's no way you grew up in the, house of, in, the, in the house of Pharaoh and not be educated. There's no way. All God required was Moses' obedience and cooperation. And as God was going to do, God was going to do the rest. Now when Moses went to Pharaoh as the deliverer, he was ready. God sent him he didn't think he was ready, but God knew he was ready. God released him to show him to the world, to Pharaoh, when, he was, when God said, you are ready. You go based on God's calling on your life, knowing it is not you. God will take care of the rest. Listen, this ministry, I'm not worried about it. I am absolutely not worried. Because I have no idea, I, all I know is what he wants me to do. I leave the rest to him. I leave the rest to him. I go to sleep. I don't worry about it. I get up. I don't worry about it. I say, Lord, all you require is for me to be is faithful. You require for me to listen and be, have the courage to do what you have in, instructed me to do. That is what the Lord wants. He wants us to have the courage. When he speaks, do it. Sometimes the Lord will ask you to do things that are terrifying. When I say terrifying, I don't mean terrifying. Whatever it is in you that's inadequate, if you're a shy person, He's asking you to do something that's going to take the shyness out of you. If you're a selfish person, He's going to ask you to do something that's going to, that selfishness out of you. If you're a covetous person, God will, he'll, he'll challenge you. God will challenge you. The question is, you have to have the courage to say, Lord, I trust you. Whatever it is I have, it's yours. It's yours. Because God can multiply. Whatever you give, He can multiply it. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. People don't understand. People want to get, but they, people don't want to give. And when they give, they give grudgingly. And they give from their leftovers. This is, I give the leftovers. And they expect God, God to bless them abundantly. That's why Jesus spoke about the woman. You see that woman? She gave all that she had. It's not the amount she gave that mattered. It's the heart in which she gave it. God will multiply. She gave, I give you all of me. I surrender all to you. That's what she did. She surrendered whatever she had. 
She gave it from her heart. I don't even think, the Lord didn't prompt her to do it. She gave it from her heart. That's what she wanted to do. Love is love. That's an act of love. When she gave all she had is an act of love. You don't, you don't put that together. When you give, it's an act of love. You understand? It's love. You understand? It's, it's everything flow, that flows from God. Everything we do has to flow from love. You understand? Okay. Alright. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Verse. Luke 4 chapter, Luke 4 chapter 4 verse 1. I want to show you something here. So we talked about John the Baptist. We, took, we touched on uh, Moses. We're going to touch on Jesus for, for, for a minute. Ver, Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus being what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan. And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's go to verse uh, 13 and 14. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Why did I read all this? Let me show you something. John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit from the mother's womb, had to go in the wilderness. Until it was time to be revealed. Moses had to go in the wilderness until it's time to be revealed. Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, came to the Jordan. John the Baptist baptized him. He saw the Holy Spirit in the form of like a dove. Descended upon him. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Where was the next place he took him? Into the wilderness. Didn't, didn't put him out and send him right out to ministry. He had to go into the wilderness. Why? The flesh. The flesh has to be put under subjection. The flesh has to be put under subjection. I don't care how anointed you, you think you are. I don't care how filled with the spirit you think you are. Anyone thinks they are. You have to go through the wilderness so that you learn, as I spoke in the first parts of this, you learn to hear and obey the voice of God. Because you could be filled with the spirit. And fighting with your flesh. Because of your ego. Because of your desires. If you don't learn to put the flesh under. This whole Your anointing can be. Can be what? Your anointing can be usurped. Because you're, you lose focus on who you are. John the Baptist. Even though he was filled with the spirit. Had to be in the wilderness. Jesus, even though he was filled, he had to go into the wilderness. We have to learn to put the flesh to death. It's a must. Right? Because <clears throat> I read that, I'm like, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. That should be enough. No, it's not enough. You still have to go through the wilderness. Because there are things you have to learn about this, this body you're walking in, this flesh. There are things you've got to learn about it. And your soul. So, what did John the Baptist, Moses, and Jesus, what did they have in common? Anybody want to take a... They all went to the wilderness. Yes, they all, but, but, 
if you go back to when I was speaking about the wilderness in the beginning, out of Egypt I call my son. I call my son out of Egypt. Took my son through the wilderness to his promised land. John, okay, let me just tell you. John the Baptist, Moses and Jesus. What did they have in common? They were all sons of God. Children of God. And it talks about, the Bible talks about, back in Galatians, it says, when you are, you're an heir. When you're a child, you're an heir, but you still have the mentality of a slave. On, then you have to be schooled and tutored until the time that your father thinks you're ready to rule. It's the same thing here. I hope you see it. You're filled with the Spirit. You're out, pull you, you're out of the world. The Spirit of God is in you. But you still have the world in you. You still have the mentality of the world. So you have to be schooled. I'm tutored. So that until... When you're in the wilderness, that's the wilderness is part of that experience of your schooling and tutoring until the time when the Father is ready to reveal you. Alright, I hope you're getting something out of that. Now let me show you something. Oh my God. I hope you guys get this. In John 17, that's why I'm excited about this year. I am so excited. John 17. 20 to, 20 to 23. So we've taken out of the world, filled with the Spirit, being schooled and tutored. Why? Why all this? Yes, for us to get up, to receive our inheritance, but there's more. Are you there? John 17, 20 to 23. Are you there? Yeah. This is Jesus he said, I do not pray for these alone, that those who were within there, the disciples, but for also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one, as you, Father, I in me, and I in you, that they all so may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Hold on to that thought. Let's go to Romans. Chapter 8, 19, 20, chapter 8, verse 19. Are you there? 8, 19 through 21. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. But because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So we go through the wilderness. We go through the wilderness so that we can learn to hear from our Father. Learn how to obey. Learn who we are. Learn that spirits, the evil spirits, have no power over us. Because when we got taken out of Egypt, the world, He put His Spirit in us. 
And he made us, gave us authority over those same despots and spirits that had us in bondage in the world. Right? Not only that, he's showing us and showing us by his word the image that we are supposed to put on as we put off the old man. The image it created in, the, in his son. That's the image we have to put on. In the knowledge of who Christ is. And not only that. As we come through the wilderness, what do we learn? We learn that Jesus said, I have given you my glory, which is the spirit. <clears throat> when we got born again, we've gotten the, we get the spirit so that we could be one. So as you put on the new man, and as you walk in love, as we spoke about before, putting up with one another, not lying to one another, all these different things, which makes a perfection, makes the body one. Because he said here that the body would be made perfect in one. That's how the body is made perfect in one, when we walk in love. And we are walking in the spirit. Because if you're walking in the spirit, you're walking in love. You're walking in obedience to the word. And through that, as we come through, that will be revealed to the world. As John the Baptist was revealed. As Jesus was revealed. And this revelation to the world of who Christ is, or proving to the world that Jesus the Father sent him and loved us as the Father loved him, that is revealed not only corporately, but individually. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's going to be revealed corporately and individually. What I believe for 2018 is going to happen, those who press into God, those who seek Him, those who have the courage and the guts to obey His word no matter what, the Lord will show us in His season, in His time, I don't know when He's going to do it, but people will start seeing things in our life. When the Lord spoke to me last year about it is time to live the reality of the promises of God, that is how it's going to be revealed. The promises of God, the reality of the kingdom is going to be revealed in our lives. It's not by us, it's by the Spirit as we have the guts, the courage to obey the Spirit of God. And do what God requires of us in the moment, no matter what it costs us. God will honor. He will honor it because Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my words. And I will love you. And the Father will love you. And I will come, we will come and reside with you. And I will manifest myself to you. And the world will see through the glory of God in our lives. They will see Christ. And creation is saying, oh my God, they're waiting for the sons of God to be made manifest. Because creative, when Adam fell, creation was put in corruption. They're waiting to be redeemed from the corruption. They're waiting. Because so when they see the sons of God manifested, they say, oh my God, our time is near to be changed, to be released from this corruption that's in the world. Creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's why I'm excited. I'm excited because I know it, I know it in my Noah, as Pastor Demola said, used to say. I know it in my Noah that God is going to do some. I don't know how, but I say, Lord, please 
Just help me to stay focused on you. Don't get caught up in the drama in the world. Even though it happens. It happens. But we, that's why it says we have to encourage one another in the faith. Pray for one another. Lift up one another. You know? We have to. We ha- we, I can't do this by myself. We are one body. We are one body, but we need each other. We need each other's gifts. I, I need your gifts. You need my gifts. So that we got to do this together. Because we have the Father. Oh my Lord. I didn't. I'm trying to make this. I feel it. I, I, it's going to be awesome. All right. In Isaiah. And this is how you get out of the wilderness. Isaiah 35. Verse 8. Are you there? Okay. Verse 8. A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others, whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Okay? It's called the highway of holiness. In Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a holy sacrifice, the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you, are, when you, come, out, you come out of the wilderness, it talks here. It's called what? A highway of holiness. You're not the same person when you went in. You come out smelling like God. Thinking like God. Talking like God. Acting like God. Because of the image that you have to put on. That new man. Put on in the likeness of him. Who is holy. Who is righteous. Who is just. So that's how you come out of the wilderness. But it depends on how much you're willing to submit yourself. And give yourself away. In the wilderness. The more you release and give yourself away, the quicker you come out of the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah? The more, the more you fight God, the, the deeper you stay, the longer you stay in the wilderness. And I learned that the hard way. Okay? So it's a highway of holiness. So when you preach, so when you come out, I be sick. So Paul don't have to beg you anymore. It's automatic. You, you give yourself to him. So you become a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. You give yourself to Him. So you do whatever He requires of you. Holy and acceptable to God. Why is it holy? Because you love Him. You love Him so you obey. And you do. Because your obedience is an expression of your love. Holy and acceptable unto God. You see people get it twisted. Yes, we are born again. Yes, we are declared righteous. But we have to live a righteous life also. There's imputed and imparted righteousness. There's one you get as you become born again. 
but you still have this flesh to deal with. You still have Egypt to deal with. Okay? And that's a choice you have to make. <clears throat> okay, so, it doesn't happen all at once. The new man doesn't come on all at once. That's why we walk in this life and we live in this life. Every time we go through something, every time there's a shift, sometimes it's better not to wait for the shift to take place. It's better just to put it on as you go. As the Lord reveals by His Spirit and the Word, keep putting off the old and putting on the new. Because sometimes He will say, you're taking too long. <laughs> and He just accelerated. We don't want that. I've been there. I don't like it. It's not pretty. Okay, so keep putting on the new man. Again, it's a choice. And it's not going to happen all, all at once. And don't beat yourself up if you miss it. Just repent and keep moving. So, one, one more scripture I'm going to quote to you from 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. Has the, Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Does the Lord really delight in all the stuff we want to do for Him? No. As in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, obey is better than sacrifice. Do what He tells you to do. Better than trying to do for Him. Do what He tells you to do. Some people feel doing stuff for God is serving God. No, do what He tells you to do. Each of us has a gift. Each of us has a purpose. Focus on, find out what that is and do that. We are not all called to do the same thing. Right? Doing doesn't make it right. Doing what he tells you to do makes it right. That's what Jesus said. I only do what I see the Father do and I do in like manner. And I only say what he tells me to say. So Jesus knew his purpose. Obey the Father. You see, I didn't come to run for political office. I didn't come to overthrow the Romans. I didn't come to this. I didn't come to that. I came to do the Father's will. I am a living sacrifice. I am here I'm just body. Let him use me to do whatever he wants. That's the difference. Okay. That's all I have for today. And I hope you got something out of it.